The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And on this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by none other than Jake Carlson. Jake, how's it going? It's going well. How's it going there? You know, um, all things considered, not too bad here. Got a little bit different of the podcast editing setup now. So in case you're listening to everything and it sounds a little bit better, I hope it does, fingers crossed. But uh, stick with us here as I try to find tweaks and some things, but um, not too bad here. I know last night definitely made me wake up a little bit happier this morning with the Oklahoma State win over KU. You want to talk about that one a little bit? Yeah. Um... We almost did it again, though, didn't we? We almost did. Just absolutely <laughs> let the whole entire lead slip away. I was very close to being very, very frustrated. As was I, and we did the exact same thing. So I was actually texting Gabe during the game. We did one of the exact things that I said we shouldn't do is I said, okay, we're hitting threes in the first half. And usually what people have done against us is they come out in a zone and make us shoot more because we're not a very good shooting team um, most of the time for the whole game at least uh, we're not the best shooting team and we come out and shoot a lot of threes and miss a lot of threes Um, but overall I think it was really good to just kind of subside that I guess if that makes sense just get that monkey off our back of like alright because we've done that what is that like our fourth game doing that where we have a lead and we kind of let it dwindle down and then it seems like it's quite a bit that it happens I mean so I mean last night you know go through all the stats or whatever here I guess in a second but the, the news out of Stillwater is that oh my gosh the Cowboys almost lost this one, right? Like almost yeah. lost. And the Kansas City Stars headline is even after a racing 16 point deficit, number six Kansas falls at unranked Oklahoma State. Well, now that we put it all together and I kind of see how we've done everything, I'm not I'm not down our basketball team. Granted, I still wish we were better and I still wish we had, you know, pulled off the winning against Texas or, you know, West Virginia, but we have three losses. Yeah. All but by, by seven points total. Yeah, and actually the the uh the Texas Tech game is a phenomenal game. I mean, I loved that game so much. And then of course we beat K State, but maybe the fact that we went to overtime and then two days later to play West Virginia fell into that a little bit. Although my whole theory here is kind of flawed. Whenever we had multiple days off since our last game, we didn't have just one. And, you know, we beat K-State, you know, on the ninth, and then we play last night, and we had, we had a couple more days of rest, you know, and uh, so, we even played better against KU. And I said, uh, after TCU, when we did our podcast, I said, um, we have Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Kansas State, Kansas. Now, we won three out of five and actually beat, I don't know, Texas might be better than Kansas this year. But rankings-wise, I believe we beat the best team. So, and we beat Texas Tech at Texas Tech. And we lose to Texas and West Virginia by three points each. And I said, if if we win two of those ranked games out of that onslaught of four out of five games and they're all top 15 teams, then I'll consider it like, then we're doing okay, you know? And realistically, we probably shouldn't have a loss. Um, And that's just me, you know, consider bias or whatever but we probably should have a loss i don't think we should have a loss but but you know it it happens i guess 
So I do disagree there. I I think we should have one loss for sure. That TCU game, eh, we shouldn't have lost that one. And then we shouldn't have lost the Texas game or the West Virginia game. But one of those two. Texas number four team in the country. It's kind of crazy yeah. we played them that close as we did, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's the one really we good. probably should have lost, to be honest. I guess if I'm putting all together. Should probably have at least one loss in the season, but maybe only one. And have beat West Virginia and have beat TCU. Because we beat TCU, I think we're ranked right now. And then, of course, we... Did oh, not. for sure. Granted, it was a one-point game, and another one of those things where it's a big lead and couldn't get out of our own way. But ah, oh, man, that that game's gonna haunt me if it comes down to tournaments, projections, all type of stuff. Granted, knock on wood here that uh that we still have the chance to get into the tournament, of course. Yeah. But I I don't know. I I would really what really hope so- that we have a better chance. I pulled up the Texas box score just because I was curious to go over it again. We actually made more shots than they did. Um, just as a total, they made four more threes than we did, and we made four more field goals as a whole than they did. Um, but they they went 20 of 26 from the th- free throw line, and we went 13 of 21. Um, if we shoot our team average, which I think they said last night was what, like 77%. Is that right? That sounds right. I'll double check. I think it was actually pretty high. Um, but if we shoot our team average, we win the game. And I I mean, I mean, that's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what's kind of crazy about last night's game. Then if you flip it, we made less shots than KU, but we still found a way to win the game. You know? Yeah, and okay. So or I should say I this, will... like less field goals is the key thing, of course. Yeah. So one thing about KU is watching them, they clearly don't have the offense that they've had over the last, what, 10 years? It's just, they just don't seem as good. And I know it's funny that we're saying that because they're still probably going to be a top 10 team, but they're just not... <clears throat> they're not Kansas. And I know the announcers actually pointed out last night as well that uh what Kansas got beat by Gonzaga, is that right? Yeah. And they gave up a ton of fast break points. It was like 28 fast break points and we had 24 at like half time. Like we we had an insane amount of fast break points and if you watch the game you can pretty much say that's why we won the game is because we just were faster than Kansas and Kansas's game has always been systematic of like, give it to a big man and have guys on the outside that shoot that can shoot threes. They have the big man. Um, they don't shoot that well. And, and they, like their big man is good, but is he good because he's playing us? who doesn't really have one? I think so. And the other thing, too, is that KU's got lost three games this season. They've lost to Gonzaga, us, and to number currently number four, Texas. And that game was very, very lopsided in the loss. I mean, it's 84 to 59. It wasn't close almost from the jump. I mean, yeah. granted, after the first half, it's 37-29 Texas, and then... Texas just runs away within the second half, scoring 47 to KU's 30. So it's not like KU was able to come back, all type of stuff, whatever. The differences I see in that game versus you know, the one last night is that KU hit three three-pointers in the game against Texas. So in you know, one of their losses, they just really just wet the bed on that. I mean, they were three of mm-hmm. 23 from three, whereas Texas in this game that they played earlier in the season – it's 12 to 26. So, yeah, if you shoot 13% from three and your opponent shoots 46% from three, you're going to lose. It's going to lose. It's pretty pretty easy to see that one. But I then mean, I that's... look at our game last night here with the stat comparison, and it's the same kind of story. KU made five three-pointers, and we made nine, but we both shot the exact same amount of threes. So they're 23.8% and our 42.9 look a lot different at the end of the day. And I think 
that KU game would have been really frustrating to lose because we outplayed them the entire game. Like, start to finish, it wasn't, I mean, we outplayed them. And I know they came back, but there was, like, what they called, like, three charges and then, like, two travels. And then one time we were standing on the line. That's how you get back in a game in college basketball. Like, and I'm not necessarily saying there were bad calls. I think maybe one or two of them was. But we had a point where we had, we didn't, we were like 0 for 5 on field goals and then had like four turnovers. <clears throat> like, yeah, that's how you get back into games because we started settling for threes and turning the ball over. So I'd hope that Kansas was able to swing a 16 point lead. And I'm proud of myself because my math actually worked out for that one. But <laughs> it, well, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, it didn't surprise me. It really didn't. And but if you look at the West Virginia game, for example, mm-hmm. West Virginia turned it on when it hit ten minutes, and they outplayed us the rest of the game. They really, really did. That's why you're right. I think there are a couple <clears throat> stretches in this game where KU does outplay us. But I'm saying a couple of stretches, and I'm talking like a minute or two where we make mental mistakes and we don't hit stuff we should have. You know, mm-hmm. I've uh, I've been playing some one-on-one basketball over you know over this time here against uh, by Oklahoma City named Scotty, and it, it it's not comparable whatsoever. My basketball was, was horrible, <laughs> but the decision making I can agree with. The decision making part, we're still all humans who are grew within the same day, you know, ten year difference, right? So I'm 27, some of these guys are 18. <laughs> you know, I can I can speak a little bit on the decision making part of it, and it is mm-hmm. one of those where you're just like, dude, everything's just going up, and you're just putting it in, and you're going, dude, we're just gonna we're just gonna run them out of the building. We're up 16, and then yeah. And then all of a sudden, exactly kind of like the West Virginia game, where we start doing stuff that's just outside the playbook. It's like, nah, dude, you're not going to hit the runaway, fadeaway, <clears throat> jump shot to the, you know, from three. Like, no, nope, let's right. stop doing that. And let's stop doing all the dumb, like, pickup game moves that you try against a buddy because you're playing number 16 in the country. And we play West Virginia, you're playing number 13 team in the country. I will it, say, though, the, the differences in that game, though, is that, like, when we play West Virginia, at some point, Donovan Williams came in for the first time that I'd seen him in a while, you know, and we had a couple other guys come off the bench when we were up big. And I think that's <clears throat> always an opportunity for the other team to just kind of come in and come at you and go, oh, well, if you're just going to put in the, the the third stringers, then we're going to try to run it. Like, this is our chance. You know, we got to go. Mm-hmm. We got to go. And mm-hmm. we didn't really do that this game. Uh, Bernard Kuma. You know, and Kalen Boone both played a total of eight minutes combined, four minutes each in this game against KU, which Kalen was starting earlier this year. This is wild to me, of course. But, and you know what? Honestly, I didn't check. Maybe he did start last night's game even. But then you, you look at the rest of the Mon- starters. Moncrief did. Oh, Moncrief started? Good. Yeah. Because honestly, even though he had six points and two rebounds, still 15 minutes and... I don't know what his stats are, you know, defensively, but Bernard Kuma literally his his box score is four minutes and three zeros. You know, zero rebounds, zero assists, <laughs> zero points. Uh, Kalen Boone has one rebound in four minutes. So I'll take Moncrief playing, you know, triple the minutes here or more. And at least we're in six. I don't know. I, I could go into that all day. And the other thing I, too I'll say is is it's just nice to see the layout of all the amount of minutes everyone's played without without going to my head. Oh man, did oh my gosh, we had to play you know Cade like fifty minutes, which he played thirty nine. Don't get me wrong, he like never came out of the game, but neither did likely. But it yeah. is nice to see that okay, Bryce Williams played twenty seven, and Rondell played twenty five, and Caleb played sixteen, and Moncrief played fifteen, as opposed to like all five of our starters playing 40 minutes. Yeah. So it is nice to see that our bench, our bench is able to contribute somewhat here in this game. And one thing in the game that I liked, we didn't really talk about, we talked on the phone about the West Virginia game, but not really on a podcast. Um, Just from a whole, I know we shot more free throws than Kansas. And if any KU fan wants to complain about that, uh, go look at every single one of your box scores. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Like don't, we're playing at home. We shouldn't shoot more free throws. Period. Y'all shot more free throws than Texas, and you still lost by 26. Well, in personal I mean, foul-wise, 
there was 16 to 14. So KU had 16 personal fouls, and we had 14 personal fouls. And, and KU had and 15 K- turnovers, we had 14. It's not that crazy amount of, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, either. And KU wasn't driving the ball at all. They didn't start driving the ball until late in the game, which is when they started to come back. It's not a coincidence that they only shot nine free throws. They, it's, it's hard because they're just not a very good offensive team. And, and by not very good, I mean like for Kansas standards, not in general, but for Kansas standards, I don't think they're a very good offensive team. This is probably one of the worst offensive teams that I've seen Kansas have. And I think McCormick is fine, but there's a reason that, how many shots did he take? There's a reason he took 18 shots. I'm just saying. Yeah. In, and and, and in all of their other past. starters took, took how many? Let's see. Like 60? 20. All of their other starters took 20. So he took 18. Oh, wait, no. Sorry, that was three-point attempts. But The whole entire team took like 62 total attempts from the floor, and he took 18 of them. Yeah. If I'm reading this right. I, so that's bizarre. And, and I don't think that's a coincidence. I think Boynton's like, if someone's going to beat us, we'll make this kid beat us. He's not as a bouquet. He's not Embiid. You know, he's not any of these big men that they've had over the past. So, and and don't get me wrong, he was actually good. And you would probably agree with me. McCormick could, like, step out and shoot a little bit. I know in the first half he didn't look very good. But in the second half, he really got it going. And he killed us rebounding. But I I guess we can progress this and move on from the Kansas game. I worry about that in games to come. Because when we play Texas, we're going to struggle. Or when we play Baylor, sorry, we're going to struggle. Yeah, but also Baylor's number two team in the country. I I think I'm falling into this, oh my gosh, I can't believe that we lost TCU. But then the other two losses we have are against top 15, top 13 teams in the country. I'm okay with that. I can live with, with very that. good big men. With very, very, very good, good big, big men. men. So the, in the TCU game, it's not like we got blown out. Granted, it was at home, but it's our first Big 12 game of the year. With We're starting, you know, I mean, more or less, you know, three three brand new guys in that game, and two of them aren't even starting anymore for us, and like Flavors mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Kalen Boone. And so right now we're playing pretty darn good basketball. We go in and we play OU this weekend, of course, Bedlam, rivalry game, all type of stuff, 7 p.m., I love to see it. I mean, I really, really do not understand why Oklahoma State versus KU was on ESPN+. Plus. Somebody's got to tell me what was going on last night on ESPN <laughs> that we couldn't put on Oklahoma State versus KU, or that Fox Sports 1 couldn't pick it up or, or something. There's something bizarre with that, with like, it must be with COVID schedules and all type of stuff, whatever, because every single time KU plays us, it's a big matchup. And we have Kate Cunningham. I don't get why any game we have the rest of the season against another ranked team will not be on ESPN or ESPN2 or Fox Sports 1 or something. I, uh, anyways, yeah. I, I digress a little bit here. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, yeah. I hope that we do not have Fran against OU. I know we will. You, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you know we will. You know what? We'll I know we will. will have but it, the, the dad of an OU a previous OU grad and player, you know, doing the color. And Norman resident. But it's fine. It, in that game, I think OU is actually a very good basketball team. I think they beat TCU by, what, 40 last night? Dude, it was insane. 82 to 46. I don't know how you hold <sighs> hold any Big 12 team to 30, point, 30 you know, I'm going to round up here, 35% field goal range, four three-pointers made in the whole game, and... Here's the real kicker here. TCU shot 17 free throws. OU shot six, except for they both made the same amount of free throws. They each made six apiece. TCU was 35% from free throws last night. No 
Division One, Division Two team shoots thirty five percent from free throw. They must have been hack a shack or something that I don't know about. I'll have to look into that more. Or I don't know. Maybe Lloyd Noble couldn't update their lighting or software or whatever to make sure that the basket was well lit on that end. Well, so I Sorry. I went and took a I went and took a peek at the uh, the TCOU box score, um, mm-hmm. and TCU shot twenty one percent from the three point line. Uh, they shot forty seven against us. Um, I don't know what their season total is, but. I, I'm not, and I'm. I, that's because I'm not saying that their uh, game against us was like an anomaly, or whether it was um, consistent for what they usually do. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really. Sorry. Well, it's not consistent. They shoot their team percentage is thirty four point five percent, which is actually pretty good. So they they just had a bad shooting night, and it was at OU, and they're coming off a game against. Oh my gosh. They played Kansas, Baylor, OU, at West Virginia, Tech, Tech, Texas, at Kansas, at Missouri, then us again. That's TCU's next schedule, which is, like, bizarre. Anyways, um, yeah, it, TCU clearly just had an off game, and OU had a very good one. I don't think there's any more to it. Um, I still think OU's pretty good. And I still think TCU is a solid basketball team. Yeah, I, no, I'm I'm with you there. It, seeing a Big Twelve team score only 46 points against another Big Twelve team, and neither one of them are number one or number ten in the standings, is is pretty bizarre to be honest. Now TCU's had, of course, three losses in a row right now. They're not looking great. They're really on a slide since they played us, of course, to open up Big 12 play. But then again, like you just said, they've played, I mean, they, they've played KU, Baylor, and then OU. So they've been through the ringer. <laughs> and then they got to play Tech here coming up on, what, Wednesday next week. So shout out to TCU scheduling here. But really, Big 12 scheduling <laughs> yeah, overall because I mean, you, you look through it, every single Big 12 team is like ranked or should be ranked. It's bizarre. You got Baylor, Texas, KU, Tech, and then us. I mean, that's four teams right there that are leading the conference who are all ranked teams and ranked like top 20 in the country. And then you've yeah. got us, and I think we're right now surging a little bit. I think that this OU game is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Really, really good game. The one guy will really have to stop, of course, for OU is what Brady, uh, Manic. Brady Manic, right? And, Which and ESPN does not have a photo for, for whatever reason, but that's insane. Brady Manic here. I mean, the guys averaging 13.2 points a game. Um, is that right for this season or something? Cause the, cause the game log is, is insane. He did, he didn't uh, play when he played Kansas. West Virginia, right? Or Kansas. One of the two. He didn't right? play against Kansas. Okay. So that might they, be, they lost by four at KU. And Brady Manick didn't play. I have a feeling if he played and everything stayed the same, oh, you probably would have won. Well, well, so here's what I remember. So last season, <laughs> we played, um, you know, OSU played to OU, OU twice. And one of the games, Brady Manick scored two points. At Oklahoma State last year, he scored two. And when we went to go play... At their place, he scored thirty, and that that's got to be a big. I mean, that's just a huge, <laughs> huge swing here. So, and 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 when by the way, he played thirty and thirty-seven minutes in each of the two games. So it's not like he played like two minutes only scored two points. He was injured. You know, he played thirty minutes in regular. You know, and then only mm-hmm. scored two points. And then the first match of the season, just earlier that month last year, at OU, of course, he scored thirty. It's just bizarre. I don't get it. And okay, the interesting thing is ESPN's matchup predictor has OU favored 61.7% over OSU this weekend. So they're OU's at 61 and we're at 
which whoop de doo I don't I you know I, I'm I'm with you. I mean the guy's the guy is six foot nine, two thirty, so who's gonna guard him? That's my question to you. Who's gonna guard him? Is it Cade? It'll be Cade. And um how tall is Austin Reeves? I don't even know, but I know he's really good. Uh let's see. Or yeah, Austin Reeves is six five. So he'll have um Bryce Williams, Avery Anderson. Actually, probably likely. I bet likely guards him. <clears throat> guards Austin and, Reeves, what you're saying? Yeah, guard, and guards Austin guard by Cade. Yeah, that sounds right. And Manic okay. guard, because, because Manic isn't really going to drive. And and if it, there's one thing that I've noticed is Cade doesn't always guard the best scorer because we have so many other good defenders. And I can't imagine that unless OU is like ice cold shooting that will – played that much zone like we have been um but austin reeves is like 41 percent from the three-point line um i wouldn't say that's a very good team to play zone up against when you have that good of a shooter so i don't know that that's my uh guess is who's gonna guard him but uh yeah i i mean It'll it'll be our other players will have to be now who's from the OU side. If you're looking at it from the OC, OU side, who's guarding Cade? Is Manic? I, I guess not. Right? He's not versatile enough. He's not going to come out to the three point line really to come guard Cade because then that takes away a lot of the rebounding too. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, man, I I I look up and down OU's roster. I don't know. It it this is going be tough. I know Cade is already a matchup problem for pretty much everybody. Um, but you mean I'm just the looking at it. Possible top three overall draft pick next year's matchup yeah. problem. What do you wait? Wait, are you sure? <laughs> but I, but I'm just looking at it from like if you're OU and you're going into this game, I don't know enough about OU basketball to say who their best defender is or whatever. But who guards Cade? And they might be saying the same thing. Cade can't guard Brady Manic. That might be true. I don't know. Um, but I think we do have, I mean, what, we were in a four-guard lineup. And I think all of our guards, Cade might be the worst defender of all the guards. So. He's definitely the weirdest defender just because of, you know, it's not because of the lack of energy, the lack of focus, but I think he tries to help out too much on other stuff. And I think he's so yeah. used to doing that throughout every single level he's ever played basketball. I think that's he kind of what trips to. him up. Right? Because right. he's 6'8". He doesn't have a choice. Ex- exactly. Like last night he has the play <laughs> where um, where Rondo Walker, I mean, you watched the game last night, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. I don't even have to timestamp it. But Rondo Walker gets the and one. You know, Cade, mm-hmm. he's basically... Gets basically blocks a shot, gets the ball as it's like going out of bounds, passes it in, and then it's passed again down the court to Rondo Walker. He gets the, I mean, the ball just barely rolls over the front of the rim as Walker puts it up and gets the end one, of course. And that was just an incredible play. But it starts with the six eight point guard who I will be buying an NBA jersey no matter what K, no matter what team KK in the game goes to next year. I can tell you right now, jersey is already ordered in my head because I'm I'm a fan <laughs> of this dude. It would have to be like the Lakers for me not to buy it, but I'd probably still buy it if it's a Lake. I'd find a way. Um, I'd find some, you know, third party website to to get through. I'm sure to make it cheaper. But I love watching him play basketball because there's plays like that where I go, oh my gosh, dude, that is insane because we don't see other guys do that. And you normally see a guy if they're gonna go leap to get the ball as it's like going out of bounds, they're not looking to pass it. They're looking to throw it off to somebody so it's you know not off. Yeah. Down, right. Yeah. Instead, yeah. he just has all the time in the world because of his athleticism and size. To I mean, it looks like he's just kind of levitating in the air. It, it is one of those plays where I go, "Oh, holy cow! Okay, he is really good at basketball." You know? Oh, okay, yeah, he is going to get drafted like top, you know, top five next year for sure because oh, okay, there's that play. Yeah. It. I mean, he's just he's a very good player, and I know he didn't play great against against Kansas State. And I know we talk about Kate a lot, but my gosh, we have some other very good players that just really fit into the mold. And if there's anything 
that Boynton, you know, I, I've seen people blast Boynton on Twitter because they say his in-game management isn't that bad or, or is bad, you know, with the, with the comebacks and all that stuff. If there's one thing he knows how to do, <clears throat> he clearly knows how to game plan before a game. Um, because this year, aside from the first couple games, once Big 12 play has started, I don't think that we've ever come out looking like just really unmatched or out of the game at all. Um, which is really good because over the past couple of years we have. <laughs> so it, you know, that I, I consider that a good thing that, that we come into these games and I, I actually feel confident that we're going to win them. When I, I haven't always been the most confident in Boynton. I like the guy. So that obviously uh, subsides a lot of maybe the negative feelings that we have towards us coaching. But I was also talking to Gabe about this. It seems like once the when the game starts winding down, he leaves a lot of it in the hands of his players. He seems like a very laissez-faire coach at times, which is a great idea if you have really, really good players. Is it, That's what will get you fired if you have really bad players. There's not – I don't think there's really many discrepancies between that. But – um. I think there just becomes a time where Boynton just needs to tell them, please stop shooting threes for the love of God. This is how we're going to lose another game down the stretch. I also and that's a, have a, and a that's small all he needs disagreement, to say. but I have a small disagreement on that just because that's how like, that's how our offense works. I mean, I Isaac likely shooting a three last night to tie up the game yeah, or that. put us up by three <laughs> is 2020 in a nutshell. Like I know we're in 2021 now, but it, you know, all pandemic, all type of stuff, whatever. Just give me a break. Isaac likely hitting like a kind of dribble back, right? It's not a catch and shoot three. He just kind of goes, I got the space and let's throw it up, you know, or at least he goes, I got the space. I'm going to shoot it here. Maybe not mm-hmm. throw it up. He's probably not that casual about a, you know, game changing play. But to me, that's, that's just peak. Oh, okay. This is a crazy game because that, that ball went in. Like if that doesn't go in, I do think we, probably lose the game or just be oh, way, sure. way tougher and thank God it, thank God it went in Thank God it went in. That's all I can kind of say here. I just really, really am surprised that we don't make a lot more threes when our guys through this open. Like, yeah, if, if you're telling me Lindy waters is back for one more year, I think we have no losses this whole season because if you have a lineup of Cade, Lindy, and uh, and likely it it's it's curtains for everyone else just because Lindy was a good enough knockdown three point shooter that you had to step out on him and he could pull yeah. it down and go and that's what we really really need but flavors is he's been injured uh, so I'll give him credit there and I'll, I'll lay off um, Bryce Williams has knocked down a fair amount of threes Ronda Walker's been okay out of the side of those two guys you know the the, the other guy that we were texting back and forth earlier this week. And I was like, oh, man, dude, I'm seeing, like, some stuff on Twitter or whatever, all this type of stuff that um, our other three-point shooter, you know, kind of knockdown guy or whatever is, is I think, out for the season, right? Chris Harris? Yeah, yeah, I was trying to double-check yeah. his name. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I think Chris Harris is done for the season. It looks like he had uh, some type of surgery or, I mean, he was, he was definitely putting it all over Instagram. And then, of course, I found it on Twitter after that. So yeah. And he tweaked his knee, I think. And I, I said that I don't remember which game it was, but I remember saying, yeah, Chris Harris just, uh, tweaked his knee again. I mean, he's, yeah, I think he's out for the rest because we really, I do believe if we just could make more three pointers, we would be unbeaten because, and, and of course that's what everyone says, but I say it from this. This team has to make more, has to make threes to win games because you have to draw guys outside of the paint so that every single time we drive down low, it's not three guys going up against Cater likely. And, and we mean going part. like, we mean going like eight for 27, not five for 27. Right, right. I'm saying because we, we, because we have gone five for 27 and lost that game by three points. 
Yeah, when I look up like full player stats, you know who leads our team in <clears throat> rebounds this year? Take Likely. Guess. Yep. Exactly. Bizarre, right? Absolutely that's problematic. <laughs> yeah, it's problematic when your six five point guard leads your team in rebounds. Now, if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder fighting for the six seed in the playoffs, still weird. And even weirder when he gets to college basketball. I actually couldn't make the Thunder transition here sound because it just I mean that was uh I in a twenty seventeen MVP season by Russell Westbrook. It's just that it's not like we're boxing out guys for the fast break. That's how like Russell Westbrook pulled down a bunch of rebounds. We're not necessarily doing that for you know mm-hmm. everything else. Um and I did look up here just the stats real quick and we'll get we'll get more onto Oklahoma State football here in just, just one second. But having a lot of fun talking about Oklahoma State basketball as always. And we are our our guys are top five in the Big Twelve in uh two different things. Field goal percentage, Isaac likely shooting fifty seven percent from the field this year, actually round up fifty eight percent. And Kate Cunningham averages the most amount of points per game in the in the Big Twelve at seventeen point eight. Now right right behind him is RJ Nimhard, who I'm assuming before last night was over was above Kate because he only scored like ten or fifteen points last night, and he's mm-hmm. averaging seventeen point two. But right, yeah, number four is Austin Reeves. We're playing this weekend, so as I bring it back to what to OU, I mean Austin Reeves is also third in the Big Twelve in assists per game, and he's I think that's I think that's it though. I think that um, yeah, Kerr, Quath. I'm probably saying that wrong, is second in the Big 12 in blocks per game at 1.5, which is not another Oklahoma State guy really on this list. I do feel good that we beat KU last night, and they've got Marcus Garrett and Jalen Wilson as defensive leaders here in stats and rebounds and steals, respectively. But as we talk about this OU game, what's your prediction? What do you think we can do this weekend? Grant, um, still water, ESPN2, so... Let's get some friend in here. Hopefully he'll like yeah. another one of my tweets, though. That really helped out the podcast. I'll give him that one. Shout out to Fran. Um, I, I think we should win the game. I don't necessarily think it's going to be like a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think we'll win. And then I think OU will beat us when we go there. I think that's how it's going to go this year. I think that's fair enough. I'm going to say I think we win this time by 10 to 15 and I think we win at OU by two to four and that's that's my prediction here just because as of late we're playing really well now granted that's an easy K-State team to beat they're not tough and but we did we we did beat them granted and KU team is never easy to beat but they're a little bit easier to beat in Stillwater for us so we, we do have you know, Bill Self's number, at least when he comes to playing in Stillwater. Now, granted, he's an Oklahoma State guy, so maybe he's helping us out there with that. <laughs> Even though I just like to joke about it sometimes. But I, that's what I'll say. I think we're on a little bit of a roll right now. If we can continue video you this weekend, granted, I know it's at home. That can really help us out here going forward, of course, and getting some momentum. With that being said here, one team that does have a little bit of momentum going into next season, of course, Go Pokes is always here, is... The Oklahoma State Cowboys, at least with a couple of defensive guys returning that I did not think would be returning uh, next year here on defense. And that's all leading to talking about the Miami game. When I go back and I look through all the rosters, we're sending back and forth. I believe it's Boom Pick and State who put this together here, but uh, if not, forgive me. Our 2020 Bulls starters that are coming back for next season. For sure, Spencer Sanders. Then left tackle, Jake Springfield. Left guard, Cole Birmingham. Right guard, Hunter Woodard. Right tackle, Josh Sills. Big, big returning there, and Josh Sills coming back. That's really nice. Uh, defensively, um, Israel Antwise returning. Tyler Lacey's returning. Brock Martin's returning, all on the defensive line. I don't know how. I thought Martin was a linebacker, but maybe I'm just reading this all wrong. Um, Malcolm Rodriguez returning. And then Jarek Bernard Converse returning at corner, Trey Sterling's returning at safety, and Tanner McAllister's returning at safety as well. So I Which like at have. least the fact that Trey Sterling is coming back. And Bernard Converse said that was really good when he didn't have to play just single coverage against guys. Tyler Lacey's incredible. Antoine's, I think, incredible too. Martin's also had his moments. Malcolm Rodriguez has moments too. So I feel really good about our defensive guys returning. Offensive guys, ooh. Still got question mark next to L.D. Brown's name. Don't know either way yet. 
Still got a question mark next to Cowboy back Logan Carter's name. Those those two are going to be big. Of course, LD, if he does return, I think is a little bit better than the guys we've seen play, but I don't know if it's that much. It's just the wide receiver group. Tylen Wallace, Dylan Stoner, and Landon Wolfer were all three starting for us in the bowl game against Miami. And Grant, I know the Presley kids showed out, but none of our three wide receivers started for the bowl game are coming back. So there's a rundown of everything for everyone. But, man, I'm, I'm definitely concerned more about the offense than the defensive side, at least right now, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't think we're going to be very good next year. <laughs> I know we talked about it. I, I just don't see it. I mean, with how we looked this year, and we should have been a lot better. Um, and by a lot better, we should have beat Texas, and our only loss should have been to OU, I guess. Is that the best, better way of putting it? Yeah, we lost. Um, I mean, we were eight and three on the whole season. <clears throat> lost to Texas, OU, and TCU. And the TCU loss, uh, that's really annoying, of course. We've talked about that at length. The Texas loss is even more annoying. The Texas loss will stick with me for way too long. But the OU loss, that, I mean, that's just, that was, you look at that score and you go, yep, all right, whatever, just moving on. <laughs> Not even talk about it again. Yeah. Um, and and we're losing Thailand. Okay, look, it, we'll kind of segue this into the national championship too since I want to bring it up. Did you see how many different places Steve Sarkeesian put Devontae Smith? Yes. Before the ball's even snapped. It was insane how that guy is utilized in the Bama offense because, and Isn't I guess it? Nick Saban's had this soundbite before, but he has said no longer do you win games defensively because of all the offensive penalty, you know, because all the penalties for protecting players or whatever, yep. which uh, we get into a whole other day here. But Saban's clearly switched the strategy to getting offensive guys. And I'm telling you, that Devontae Smith kid is insane. But the way they moved him around the field to be able to be used is just, is also just insane for them. And so I bring that up. Because we don't do that. <laughs> um, we haven't done it with any offensive coordinator that we've had. And I think you can agree with me. Um, James Washington almost always played on the right. And Tylen Wallace almost always played on the right. Those are the two receivers, of course, that I have from recent memory. And then, you know, you had Brandon Shepard or Lacey uh, Stoner <clears throat> was obviously in the slot. But it it just boggles my mind that it's like, could Tylen Wallace have been better if we actually moved him around the field? The answer has to be yes, because if he's good at one position, you know, if he's really good at playing just one side of the ball and he does that extremely well, there is no reason that he can't beat safeties and linebackers. Or the number two corner, who's probably not guarding him. So I, I say this because watching that Alabama game, and you can go watch literally any good offense always moves around their best players because they want to create mismatches. Um, and I just don't see us do that. And it seems to hamper us in a lot of hinder, maybe not hamper, hinder seems to hinder us in a lot of situations. Um, I know you remember when we played Kansas with Washington, um, with James Washington, when we played Kansas, they literally like triple teamed him the whole time. And we struggled that game because we literally couldn't move him around the field. And it, it's just hard going into next year with how much our quarterback play struggled. Um, our defense didn't really struggle. The inconsistent, I'm not worried about running back. I know you probably aren't either. Um, 
and the inconsistencies at wide receiver in the offensive line that we're seemingly going to have again next year. It's just very hard for me to go, okay, we're going to run it back with seemingly worse players. And I'm not saying I, – I don't know if these guys are actually worse. On paper, they're worse. We don't have Tyler Wallace. Period. I don't know what else. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm with you there. I mean, I don't have the same expectations for next year that I had for this year, for sure. This year, when it all's said and done, with, you know, the, the season ends, we're 8-3. and three. Normally, in a regular season, when we play our extra two non-conference games, I would think of this as a 10-win season because we beat Tulsa with mostly a back quarterback in, and Tulsa proved to actually be a decent team this year. Well, crap, we want to say. So, I think we would have beat Oregon State and Western Illinois. So, I'm going to chalk those two games up as wins, you know, W's, whatever, and think of us technically this year as, yes, an eight-win team, but really we would have been 10 if we played the other two non-conference games that got canceled. With all that being said, I don't think next year we're going to win 10 games. Period. It's no, there's no way. I'd be very, very shocked if we do. Instead, I do think that there's a way that we win six games, though, next year. Because, let's face it, so this year we play West Virginia at home. Next year on the road, it's going to be tough. But we still play KU next year at home. We play Baylor next year at home. We play K-State next year at home, and uh, we play TCU next year at home. So those four teams, plus three non-conference games, I think we can win, and I feel good about saying this, that we can win six of those games, six out of the seven of these games, right? Um, Yeah. Boise State next year, very probably very, very tough, to be honest, with a bunch of new changes, all type of stuff. I think it's our first game of the season. Boise State's probably going to be ranked top 25 when we play them next year. It seems like they are ranked every so often. And a couple of years ago, it was the same deal, except for they played in Stillwater and we beat them. This next year, I don't know. That's probably really tough. But then TCU, Baylor, K-State, KU, all at home, I feel really good about that. I feel really good about playing all the teams at home. And I don't even say Texas Tech. Next year, we go to Texas Tech. So that's kind of the fifth team. Big 12 day to me next year is a bunch of haves and haves nots. And yes, playing at Texas with Steve Sarkeesian, the new head coach, and not having Sam Elgin at quarterback, maybe it's awesome, but I feel really weird about saying that. And then the Iowa State no U games next year would just be shocks if we were competitive in either of those games, to be honest with the guys we have coming back. I mean, it just, and, it just would be. I don't, you know, it, I don't think you disagree. No. Yeah, I don't think you disagree. I think the frustrating part, um, as I've said this before that I've seen from Gundy's 10 tenure is a lot of people and you're not wrong, but they would say the same thing is, Oh, well I look at this as a 10 win year. Cause we would have played Oregon state and then uh, Northwest Missouri tech or whatever. Um, and that's fine. But if I don't know what bowl game were cheese it bowl, if winning the cheese it bowl is something that you want to hang your hat on. And I'm not saying you, just saying in general, if winning the cheese bowl is something you want to hang your hat on, then you're probably doing this the wrong way. Because the issue is we're pretty avid Oklahoma State fans, and we couldn't tell you who we have coming in next year to play these positions that we're losing. Well, I can tell you two things. One, it looks like Braden Johnson's back. I haven't seen anything saying not. It looks like Tay Martin's back as well, too. The West Virginia, excuse me, West Washington State University. I was trying to say WSU, but Washington State <laughs> University transfer who played this year and proved to be pretty darn good in the Baylor game, I think, at the end. But this year, the bowl okay. game. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, he looks to be pretty darn good. So, wide receiver, yes. Are we, do we have Tylen Wallace? Uh, no, yes, we are going to be worse a wide receiver next year, next year for sure. But my my point about saying I think this is a ten one season this year is not to say I think this is a, you know a great achievement. It's instead to say it's not that great because of what we expected, and I definitely don't expect us to be that good next yeah you know, this good next year. Mm-hmm. And so, listen, being Miami, awesome, 
you know, that's always a great win. But as bowl games go, this is just, I feel great because in the moment, yeah, we beat Miami and we won our bowl game and the cheese it stuff's fun. On the other hand, their starting quarterback went out like in the first quarter. I mean, was it, and we still only won by seven. So, or six. So it's just not, it's, it's great to win the game. So I'm kind of caught in the middle though, between those two of like feeling like great that we won the game and also kind of weirded out that we only won the game by six when they're starting quarterback who was talked about. We only like won by, we only won by so. three. Oh, three. Excuse me. Yep. That's right. 34, 37. So all this being said together, I don't feel that great about our team coming back next year. The main and key reason why is because uh, Spencer Sanders. And to be honest, there's one play in particular that you and I've talked about here. And this is the last thing I'll say about, and we'll talk about the national championship as we wrap this up today is there's a Spencer Sanders throw that worked out that made a close game not as close, right? We're up like 21-0 at one point or 21-3. Mm-hmm. And you may know what play I'm talking about here, but it's basically like Spencer Sanders is rolling out to the left. He's right-handed quarterback, and he's got somebody, I think he's got the Presley kid just deep down the field beat. And he's got mm-hmm. the ball like 50 yards. And for whatever reason... I don't think he either had the time or didn't have the room or whatever you want to say, but he sits to throw up the pass and he's like perpendicular. His like chest is facing the end zone. So instead of like having the full motion and really get into it and really get into the pass or whatever, he underthrows the Presley kid and Presley has to come back and catch the ball. And okay. On one hand I go, dude, we scored a touchdown. And I go, yeah, but that's the decision-making. That's the type mm-hmm. of stuff where, like, I kind of, like, I'm glad we won the game. I'm glad that worked because of that. But it kind of sucks we won the game. It kind of sucks that worked because it's probably going to give us false hope in the future. So I'm like, uh, I don't know. How to, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't, I don't feel great. Well, um, and if I have to hear that this is Mike Gundy's, like, 16th straight bowl game or whatever, I, I, I don't care. That means we're mediocre. That I mean, I mean, honestly, that's what that tells me. If this is your 16th straight bowl game, that doesn't really matter. Then you're not getting better. And I don't think like we fluctuate what from 10 to seven wins every single year. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Cool. Like that that's how I feel. And I I just I guess I expect more. I, I would expect to have a kid coming in next year that I could be really excited about, but we don't. We just don't. I'm okay with that simply because I know we're gonna have down years every so often. I would be much more okay with it if this season we had played the Big Twelve Championship at least. And if you if you tell me going into the season, we are going to beat the team who has the best Big 12 record going to the Big 12 championship, right? And we mm-hmm. are going to um, lose to OU, but OU is going to lose two games to Big 12 teams for the season. I'd go, oh, well, so we had to play in the championship, right? And no, I, I know that TCU game is all for naught because even if we had beat TCU, we still wouldn't have played in that Big 12 championship game. Man, it just uh, this this year was annoying and was annoying and how the whole thing played out because of that Texas game. To be honest, I'm really hoping that Texas game doesn't end up biting me in the butt later on because that was just a really annoying to watch. But with with all of being said, I think that's a good place to just kind of leave, um, leave the Oklahoma State football season where it's where it is. I guess leave in 2020 <laughs> and. Talk more here about the national championship game. So, Alabama dominated. It's 56 to, what, 24, I think. And Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it wasn't the, I mean, it wasn't close. Until, but it's the guy to the second half. It wasn't close at all. I think really midway through the second quarter wasn't that close. Justin Fields did not have six touchdowns and play like he did against Clemson. And Devontae Smith literally played, I think, two and a half, three quarters. And played insanely well. 
but then got injured and didn't play much the rest of the game, and then Alabama still kept scoring. It didn't matter too much that he wasn't in. Yeah, I mean, look, it, we all knew what was going to happen when the game started. I, I, I don't – if you thought that Ohio State was going to win, then you're either biased or stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, it just what it it wasn't a game. It was never going to be a game. And Alabama did what we thought they would do. And look, okay, th- this is the problem that I have with this season. Um, and I can say this because. I literally don't care about like I mean I, I watch the game, but I don't I don't have any ties to either of these schools. Um I don't care. The fact that we have a national championship with a team in it that has played five less games is such a big issue to me. Just if you look at it from the season as a whole. Um, They also played Clemson having played five less games. That's just, I, I have a lot of problems with that. And I think a lot of other fans too, if you're just a college football fan, you should be looking at that and going, okay, well, what if, what if, what if Mac Jones tears his ACL against Mississippi State, but Ohio State didn't play that game? Like, and, and those are the things, like, there are guys that get hurt throughout the year that didn't get hurt for Ohio State. And I'm not saying Ohio State was going to be in the top four pretty much no matter what. But it's just like they – they have a clear competitive advantage just from a freshness standpoint. Now they're not as good, obviously, but I, I just, do you have as much of an issue with that as I do? I guess I don't because I think the other teams that would have played instead would have just fared just as badly or just as poorly. I would of course love to see OU or Iowa state for that matter, get a chance and see the big 12 or see the pac 12 even team play and now of course Iowa State just housed Oregon and Oregon I think is the team that won the Pac-12 if I read everything correctly yeah. even though it's kind but of I would Washington I would have one. liked to, I would have liked to see OU play uh Ohio State yes I, I'm all for an expanded um cultural playoffs I think this year shows you really do need an expanded cultural playoffs because is Coach Carolina going to be man eh, probably not is Liberty, eh, probably not. Is Cincinnati, eh, probably not. But maybe maybe A&M or Georgia. I just am so against seeing a rematch in the college football playoffs that we've seen in the regular season. Like, I don't care if it was in the SEC championship game. I don't care if it was just regularly throughout the season they play each other. Like, if OU and Ohio State had just had their non-conference games, you know, against each other this year and stuff like you know, a couple of years ago, whatever it was, mm-hmm. then I would go, oh my gosh, I cannot believe we're going to see a possible matchup like this again. Like seeing Notre Dame and Clemson both in the cultural playoffs to me was absurd. And I know they've split their season series, all type of stuff, whatever, but give me a break. Notre Dame got housed. I guess it's my word of the day. But they just got ran out of the building by Alabama. That game wasn't even close. And it wasn't that close when Clemson played him with Trevor Lawrence. I don't know whatever happened to this Notre Dame defense that allowed, like, a bunch of points the first time they played each other and then still allowed a bunch of points. And we thought something how that would be different. But that Notre Dame's offense would... I, I guess we thought Notre Dame's offense would stay the same because they didn't lose any guys to COVID that I know of, at least, or injuries in between mm-hmm. each other. Just they... For whatever reason, Clemson's defense the second time played way better. Who knows why? But, like, if Notre Dame loses to Clemson the first time, then we don't even talk about them playing in the cultural playoffs, right? Because we go, no, 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 no. That doesn't matter. 
they're out. Like, they, I mean, if Notre Dame's only two losses the whole season are to Clemson, right? Yeah. Then they don't deserve a shot. But I am in the oh, same. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Not to interrupt you. Yeah. But I did. Uh, Brooklyn just got James Harden. Holy cow. Okay. Well. <laughs> Trading all-star James Harden and sending four first-round picks and four draft draft swaps to the Rockets. Well, uh, the Rockets won this trade. Uh, what else do you want to know? Their rebuild is in full uh, full start, full tilt. Um, Crap. Well, we might have to just absolutely do another podcast here later tonight. But um, <laughs> because I do have something come up here before too long. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so I'll, I'll finish my point here real quick. I'm always against seeing a rematch of teams that play each other. What would your solution for this year have been? Because, okay, Ohio State won. They dominated pretty much everything they played until Northwestern, right? They played a close game against Indiana, too, I think. But how do we, I guess, how do we know? I mean, they only played five games, but how do we, how do we know it was going to be this bad, I guess? So my thing is... Ohio State playing less games allowed them not to trip up, which they tend to do. And the only way that you could have reconciled this season is having a bigger playoff. Because I didn't think Notre Dame deserved to be in, and I also didn't think that Texas A&M deserved to be in. Um, The SEC was not, or the SEC West was not very good this year. At all. It just wasn't. And Texas A&M losing to the best team on their schedule. They beat Florida, but whatever. But I don't care. Um, I don't think Florida was anything spectacular, and they beat them by three points at home. Um, so, yeah, sure. They were better than Florida. But the the only way that you could have gone well with this season is expanding the playoff. That was it. There was no other way around it um because nobody and the reason AM didn't get in is nobody wanted to see them play uh alabama again they lost by 30 the first time you know like what right that's why, why i'm going why would it why, why would anybody why else this? Watch that? yeah i mean why why see this happen again we've seen it happen once why come back to it and that's i, I guess my thing is just, uh, this i mean the whole it, thing sucks to be honest and I think we're finding out that the system doesn't work. Yeah, but I feel like we've known that almost since since everything came out. You know, like since it was like, oh, dude, hang on a second, cultural playoff. Like, I think we've known, ah, dude, this system just uh, just could not. I mean, it's just it's just not great. You know? Yeah. Um. And I don't think there's necessarily a big way to fix it besides playing with six or eight teams or 12 or whatever want to do. And Absolutely. yeah, it does, I mean, let's, let's be honest here. Do we think Coastal Carolina would have had a chance? No. Do we think Cincinnati? No, but no, Ohio State didn't. So what do you freaking do? The, the, the other differences I would have had here is that like, if Ohio State, doesn't play in this game, right? Like, let's say they, let's say we do have A and M over Ohio State, or let's say we do have A and M over Notre Dame, right? And and A and M plays exactly like Notre Dame did, you know, like just loses a bunch to Bama in the first game, and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Then do we always just need to write off just dude, just no rematches for the love of, of all things together? Because the Big Twelve hadn't, is the Big Twelve could have gotten out of their own way, and basically doesn't have only 10 teams in the conference and they don't all play each other during the season, then I think we're talking about Ohio state in, right? Ohio state's mm-hmm. only got one loss whole season. It's not to OU in the conference. Of course, out of conference, they had a loss, but maybe that's it. Yeah. Sorry. This hardened stuff is just, Oh, the hardened stuff. Yeah. We're, we're clearly right. going to be, so yeah. we, I have, I have more. Um, Brooklyn is acquiring James Harden in a three-way deal with Cleveland. 
Karis LeVert, Dante Exum. Andre Drummond? Andre Drummond? Oh my gosh. Wait, what? Oladipo just got traded to the Rockets? Wait, what's going on? Holy. <laughs> what, what? Okay, all right. All right, all right, all right. Sorry this is all happening live. Um, Karis LeVert, Dante Exum, Rodinus Kirkic, Karuks, Karuch, I don't know. Four first-round picks, including Cavs 2022 first via Bucks. And four Nets pick swaps to the Rockets, Jared Allen and Torian Prince to the Cavs. And then we have Oladipo to the Rockets for Karis LeVert. Why are the Cavs trying to sign every single center available? Don't they already have Andre Drummond and Kevin Love, and now they've got Jared Allen, and they also have... No, I guess they don't have Tristan Thompson anymore. I just don't get the Cavs. I don't get them. Why are they mm-hmm. doing? Why are they involved in this trade at all? What's I guess I mean I don't know what's in it for them, but yeah. So eh. the the Indiana Pacers are moving Victor Oladipo to the Rockets for package around Karis LeVert. All right, this well there you have it. <laughs> I mean, holy cow! Well, I I would say we have more time for NBA stuff, but an hour and six minutes in, I've got a um, some other stuff coming up here in 10 minutes myself. So, man, the NBA stuff could not have broken at a better time. I got to say that too, though. So, Yeah, it looks like I uh, might have to change the channel so I can figure out what's going on. But, uh, yeah, that, it's just a lot. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Well, um, oh my gosh. Um, well, with all that being said, Jake, I, I guess I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast out here where we talked about <laughs> Oklahoma State basketball for 30, 40 minutes. We talked about Oklahoma State um, football, and we talked about the National Championship. But, man, we're going to be back here in just a second recording with this NBA podcast before too long. So, yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, just stay, stay, stay with us. Yeah, stay tuned in. Keep listening on the podcast. Love it so far. So, with all that being said, um, Jake, as always, thank you so much for listening and uh, joining me here on the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. Please follow at the CGA Tour on Twitter and Instagram for more. Jake, thanks again, and we'll catch you guys again soon. Peace. Thanks, guys.